Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come before you and worship you as a great God that you are. And Lord, we thank you that you, in your greatness, you condescend to speak to us through your word. Lord, we pray that we may be attentive hearers this morning as we listen to what your word says about you and your holiness and the way that we are to approach you. Lord, we pray that you may give us great wisdom this morning and may we listen to your Holy Spirit as he speaks through your word. And may we be changed and transformed to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ, and to embrace him all the more fully as a result of being here this morning and hearing from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, soon after Jill and I were married, we actually went on holidays uh, to Queensland, and it was a lovely time. We didn't have kids at that stage, and, uh, and I sometimes wonder about those days, and did we really consider how nice it was uh, to be alone with one another? And we travelled around a bit in Queensland and saw different sites, and of course, it's warm weather. We went in the middle of winter, but it was still swimming weather, of course, up in Queensland, in the far north of Queensland, and I was quite interested in having a swim and enjoying the warm weather there, but then something changed. We actually visited a crocodile farm while we were up there. And while we were having this tour around the crocodile farm, they were showing us all these crocodiles and they actually breed them there and uh, also to get their skins and to for meat. But they also have these other crocodiles that have been caught as nuisances in the wild and they have them there on the farm and they uh, show them to people who come around as tours. And they start to show us some of these really big crocodiles that were on the farm. And as we were going around, they would say, oh, this one was caught at this location, this one was caught at this location, this one was caught at this location, and one of them had been caught at the beach. I didn't know they went in the in the actual surf, but apparently they do. They don't just stick to rivers. This one had been caught in the beach that Jill and I were swimming at the previous day. And so from then on, I decided I'm not swimming in Queensland any longer. And, uh, and some people have encouraged me when I've been back to swim in creeks, and they say, no crocodiles here, Joel. And I just uh, say, well, that's fine for you. There's always a first time, and I don't want to be the first. Uh, to be caught by a crocodile in that particular creek. Why do I not want to go in where crocodiles are? Well, we all know that if you approach a crocodile, it can mean a sudden death, that it can mean the end of you. And we hear reports of this happening, uh, not so much in Queensland, but in the Northern Territory, on a, a fairly regular basis, to be quite honest, of people getting taken by crocodiles. To approach a crocodile means death, and we all recognise that. This morning, I want to look at approaching somebody else and how death is involved in that approach. And that is the fact that approaching God means death as well. Approaching God means death. And we see this teaching given in the chapter that we've just had read for us from Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. When the Israelites come to Mount Sinai, they are warned that approaching God means death. If you force your way to approach and in, in to see God, then you can expect death. Now, you may be saying, okay, how did the Israelites get here? Where's this land in the book of the, uh, this part of the Bible? Well, if we, I'll give you a quick overview as to how the Israelites got to the Mount Sinai and to this warning that they would approach, if they approach God, they would receive death. The overview would be we start with Adam and Eve in Genesis. Adam and Eve, of course, have children. From their children, eventually you get the descendant Abraham. Abraham then has a son Isaac. Isaac has a son Jacob. 
Jacob is renamed Israel, and from him we get the 12 tribes of Israel. So he has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. Those Israelites then eventually move down to Egypt, and they are oppressed by Pharaoh. Pharaoh turns them into slaves, and eventually the slavery is so bad that God rescues his people as they cry out under the slavery of Pharaoh, and he rescues them and brings them out of Egypt, and they cross the Red Sea, Moses parts the Red Sea, and they cross through, and then they come to where we're at today in uh, Exodus chapter 19. They come to Mount Sinai, where God will give them his law, God will give them the Ten Commandments, but he also, before that, gives some strong warnings that if you approach him, it means death. And, we, and so that's my first main point this morning, this warning that is given to the Israelites. If you want to follow my main points, they're printed on the back of the church bulletin. My first main point this morning is no Israelite could approach God. No Israelite could approach God. And we see that a couple of times in the text. Uh, God tells Moses that he's going to descend uh, to Mount Sinai, that his presence is going to come, and we see that in verse 9. If you've got a black church Bible, that's on page 73. I encourage you to have it open as we look at this text together. Verse 9 we read, The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come down to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. So he promises he's going to come, and he promises that again in verse 11. Uh, but I'll read from verse 10. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. God makes this promise, I am going to come down on Mount Sinai. And then he makes good on his promise. We read in verse 18, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And then in verse 20 it says, The Lord descended on the top of the mount, on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. We see God says this amazing thing that I'm actually going to come down in a dense cloud. And then he proceeds to do so, but he warns people are not to approach him as he is on that mountain. Multiple warnings are given in this text. Uh, we see one of them in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 19. Verse 12, it's, God says to Moses, Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. And then in verse 20, it says, The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord. And many of them perish. And then in verse 23, we see again this warning given. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. And then verse 24, the Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. We see again and again, God is very careful at saying, Make sure people don't come up. They can't come up while I am there. I, my presence is there and they just cannot come up. Now, why couldn't the Israelites approach God? Why would God be so cruel as to come down but then not allow anyone to come near him? Why would that be? Well, we don't, it doesn't say specifically in Exodus chapter 19 why they cannot approach God, but 
I, it is implied in the text in a couple of places that the problem is sin, is human sin, that the people are not holy, whereas God is holy, and so they cannot come and approach God. And that is hinted at in a number of places where we see that the people are told to consecrate themselves as they are near God. And we see that in verse 10, for example. It says, and the, and the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. That word consecrate is uh, a translation of a word that we often use for sanctify or to make holy. That's the same word in the Hebrew. And so what he's saying is the people must make themselves holy if they are to come near me. And we see that given to us again in verse 14. It says, after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, made them holy, sanctified them, and they washed their clothes. And then in verse 22, we read, even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. We see that these people need to be washed. They need to be made holy. Why is that? Because they are unholy. They are sinners. And they cannot just walk up to a holy God and expect that it will be okay. They need to be made holy if they are to approach God. They need to be consecrated. They need to be washed. And... We see this in other parts of scripture as well, that when you approach God and you're in an unholy state, then it is a serious offence. And we see this uh, as in later parts of the Old Testament where the, the temple is built, or even just the tabernacle, we see there's a holy place where God's presence is supposed to be, is said to be, and there's a curtain that divides off that holy place from everyone else. And a priest is only allowed to go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement when he has paid, has made a sacrifice that allows him to go in and be there in the presence of God. A curtain is there to prevent people from going and approaching the Holy God because we are in an unholy state. If we weren't unholy, then we could go into the presence of a holy God, just as the angels in heaven in the Old Testament are seen again and again to be there in the presence of God because they are not sinners. They are holy and able to be in the presence of the holy God. So the question is, what happens then if you approach God in an unholy state? What happens if you approach God in an unholy state? And that brings me to my second main point this morning. No Israelite could approach God without death. No Israelite could approach God without death. The Israelites were explicitly warned not to approach God, and if they did, they were explicitly warned that they would be put to death as a result. And we see that given to us again and again as well in this text. Verse 12, we read, Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up the mountain. And then in verse 21, we read, I'll read from verse 20 though. The Lord descended to the top of the Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, 
Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Many of them die. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out. He will break out against them. And then in verse 24 we read again, The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. This warning of death is given and then the image that we, uh, uh, is described for us of how God descends to the mountain also gives a warning that if you approach me, it's going to be bad news. When God comes down in this cloud, did he just come down in a nice fluffy white cloud? No. How is it described in verse 16? It says, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. We're given the warning, don't come near the mountain, you will die. And then there's this powerful way that God descends upon the mountain where there's thunder, lightning, and it sounds like the whole thing is going to explode, like it's a volcano. And who goes up to a volcano? Who approaches a volcano? You're absolutely foolish if you approach a mountain that has smoke coming out of it and that has, it looks like a fire, a fiery furnace is the way it's described there. Uh, it says, the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled barley. It is not a mountain that you approach. God has told you, don't approach or you will die. And he's also, in the way that he has descended, said, stay away. You cannot just waltz up to see me. There are strict warnings given. So, what is the lesson for us? This is the Israelites. They're told they cannot approach God as he descends upon this mountain. I don't think any of us are planning a trip to Mount Sinai, so does this actually apply to us? Is there a lesson for us today? Well, there is a lesson. The lesson is that you cannot approach God. You cannot waltz into God's presence. And that's my third main point this morning. You cannot approach God. Limits have been set in place like limits were set in place for the Israelites. Firstly, you can't go into God's presence in heaven, even if you were to build a rocket ship of some sort and fly up into outer space and think that you could get into heaven that way. You can't. We have been locked out from God's presence. When did that first happen? Well, in the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the garden and what was put there to guard the entrance? An angel with a flashing sword to bar the way to God. We have been blocked out from the presence of God. And this makes sense. We are unholy people, just like the Israelites were unholy. We are sinners. We have rebelled against God. That's what sin is. When you sin, you become God's enemy. And no king allows enemies, people who are hostile to him, to just come into their presence. And that is what God does with us. We are sinners, he is holy, we are unholy, and we cannot just go into his presence. And what are the consequences if we decide that we can approach God? 
particularly on Judgment Day when we will all come before the throne of God, what will happen to us if we come into his presence? Well, that's my fourth main point this morning. You cannot approach God without death. You cannot approach God without death. If you force your way into God's presence in your sin, you will die eternally. And that is what many will attempt to do on Judgment Day. They will attempt to walk up to God's throne and say, there's no problem with me whatsoever coming near you. They will think, oh, maybe they'll say, I'm not so bad. I'm not a terrible sinner. I might have done a few things wrong. But surely, God, you accept me into your presence. The answer will be no. As soon as you sin once, you've rebelled against God and become his enemy. And you cannot just approach his throne on judgment day and think that it will be okay. And this also applies to those who think that they can approach using some sort of false religion. They think that if they embrace this religion, then they will be okay and they can just walk up to God's presence on judgment day and it will be fine for them. No, you will die eternally. You'll be punished eternally in hell. The Bible tells us again and again, if you approach God in an unholy state. So what hope is there for us? What can you do? Can you never approach God on judgment day? Will we all be condemned to die a second death in hell? Well, you can approach God if somebody else dies in your place. That's the wonderful truth that the scriptures tell us again and again, that the death that is required of you for your sin is taken by Jesus Christ. The wonderful truth of the scriptures is that Jesus takes your sin and puts it on his shoulders that day at Calvary many years ago and he approaches God with your sin and is put to death as a result of approaching God. He is judged by God in your place. And that's what 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24 tells us. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. No one can approach God in their sin without death. And when Jesus approached God with your sin on his shoulders, he died as well. But what does that then mean? That means that the payment of death for your sin by Jesus allows you to then approach God without fear of death. The debt that you need to pay has been paid. There is no further payment to be made. You do not need to die for your sin because Christ has died for your sin. And that's what the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 tells us. Flip with me over to Hebrews chapter 10, page 1191 of the Black Church Bibles. Page 191, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Page 1191. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10 we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Remember that place that is reserved for the presence of God. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Wonderful verses that speak about how we can now go through the curtain with confidence and full assurance. Do you see confidence? Do you see full assurance for the Israelites there to approach God in Exodus chapter 19? No, there is no confidence whatsoever. They are trembling at the presence of God. But the description of Christians is vastly different because Christ has trembled for them. He has gone and paid with his body and opened a way through the curtain for us. And so our situation is vastly different from that as the Israelites. Christ has died on our behalf. Our sin has been taken away. We have been cleansed. Our bodies have been washed with pure water, it says there in verse 22. And so what does that mean? Well, we can approach God in a vastly different way. We can approach him without trembling but with joy. And that's what Hebrews 12 describes. Flip with me over another page over, page 1193 of the Black Church Bibles, page 1193, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, where the author says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not even bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That is what happened in the past. But that is not us. Verse 18 said, you have not come to this. So what have we come to? Verse 22 tells us, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What a wonderful truth contained there for us in Hebrews 12, that we have actually come to God. There is this stern warning given to the Israelites in Exodus 19, but that does not apply to us if we are in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ Jesus, then the warning applies to you. You are coming to a mountain that is of doom and gloom. And when you approach God on Judgment Day, it will be terrible for you because you will need to die for your sin. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you do not need to die for your sin because someone has already done that for you. And so you come to heavenly Zion. You come to the presence of God and you get to be in God's presence forever and with his son forever. That is who you have come to. That's what verse 24 says. Uh, after the whole list of different things they've come to. I mean, you come to angels, which are great as well, but verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This wonderful truth in Scripture given to us that we will come to Jesus in heaven and be in his presence for all of eternity. So we as sinners have to know that approaching God always requires death. If you are a sinner, then a death must be paid if you are to approach God.
And we will all be called before the judgment throne of God one day. We'll all be called up, like Moses was called up to the mountain. We'll all be called before the judgment throne of God one day. And death will be required if you are in your sin. And we are all in sin. So what death will it be? Will it be your death? Or will it be the death of Jesus Christ instead in your place? How are you trying to access God? How are you trying to approach God? How will you approach God on judgment day? Will you approach him saying, oh, I'm not really that bad? That will end in death for you because you are that bad. You may do some great things in this world, but the, the bad things that you do always contaminate, always make the rest of you unclean. And to approach God in that way will only end in death, eternal death. I encourage you, if you haven't done it before, approach God now through the death of Jesus Christ and you can live with him forever. When you are called before the judgment throne and God says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? You'll be able to say, because Christ died for me. Nothing else. Not because, you know, I wasn't that bad and Christ died for me or... No, I wasn't that bad at all, or I was a faithful in this particular religion. No, it has to be that Christ died for you. I encourage you to have that statement ready to say, because you do indeed trust now that Jesus Christ died for you. Let's come before our God in prayer. Let us speak with him again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the warnings of Scripture that tell us what a holy God you are, and tell us the truth about ourselves, that you don't minimize our sin, but you make very clear how sinful we are and how holy you are and how we cannot approach you without death. But Lord, we thank you that the scriptures also tell us this wonderful news, that there is a way of consecration, that there is a way to be washed, there is a death that can pay for the sin that we have incurred against you. And Lord, we thank you that that is through Jesus Christ. We thank you that the Son of God is more than sufficient to die the death of everyone in this room that we deserve for our sin. So Lord, we pray that we may all put our trust in Jesus Christ's death so that he has made that payment and we can approach you not with fear but with exceeding joy, knowing that we can come before you on the throne of judgment without fear because of what Christ has done. And we can rejoice in your presence, in your presence, for all of eternity, because Christ has paid what we deserve to pay. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.